I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Stephen Clark, Chelsea fan, uh, on Twitter at Stephen Clark CFC. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, up first, I figure we should talk about... Uh, Watford a little bit because they did win today that's three wins in three only behind Liverpool on goal difference and we see this every season a team or two that pop up pretty high up in the table uh, and then some of them drift some of them end up having really good seasons Uh, Bournemouth also currently uh, occupying a top four spot oh they may have just missed it um, with Chelsea's win actually but with Watford and Bournemouth both very high up the table do you think there's any credence behind either their performances and which one do you think will perform better throughout the season? Yeah, I find it pretty interesting, actually, with Watford especially, because a lot of people that I was talking to had them tipped to be kind of in a relegation scap. Yeah, and I'll loan that. I had them as one of my bottom three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. I remember that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, they they just have this really interesting squad, Watford, and like, I think I think um, they got a really interesting looking midfield and a lot of a lot of options, like people like Decore, obviously, and. uh, Nathaniel Shalabar, who missed a lot of last season through injury, um, and finally maybe we're seeing the best, of, starting to see the best of people like Will Hughes, um, mm. and yeah, Roberto I, I Pereira, who came with a very high profile and was just hurt for two years. From Juventus, yeah, he's always, he's kind of um, shown his brilliance in flashes, but yeah, maybe he can get a he can get a full season kind of under his belt, and um, yeah, maybe they can have a really good year. I feel pretty good about Watford. I, I never really felt like they were going to be in trouble this season, and um, it's a strong start. I mean. Nine nine points from three games. Yeah, you got to say that kind of they've got to be looking to 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 have a decent season. Then I suppose um, with with Bournemouth. Yeah, I heard a really interesting stat this this week that they're kind of the team that has picked up the most points from losing positions um, in the last couple of years in the Premier League, which is um, a testament to kind of I guess the, the spirit in that side. And kind of I can remember just off the top of my head quite a, quite a few games where they've where they've come back from deficits. Um, yeah, I, I, I just I think they're they're both really good teams, those two, and I think they they started this started the season pretty well. Um, another team I think actually could have a surprisingly good season is Leicester. I think I just really like that 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 um, that team. Mm-hmm. I really like the players that they got, this the reinforcements that they made. Someone like James Madison just looks like a a really really good player. Um, and yeah, Harry Maguire stepping up and scoring a pretty good goal this week. Yeah, I, I think they're they're on for a good season. Uh, yeah, between between Watford and Bournemouth, I had both of them low. I had Bournemouth 18th. I think I had Watford like 16th. Um, so yeah, I'm looking dumb, but hey, it's early. Uh, I'd say Watford probably had the better chance of having a better season just because I like their squad a bit more. And they do this a lot. Like, they're 
like last year they were the team that got really hot early and then really didn't at the end. But um, but they this is this would not be the first time they go and accumulate a lot of points before Christmas and then just kind of coast on that to safety. Hey, they won't get relegated, but I still don't like their squad that much. And I don't know. I think I think they've been hovering around not quite the Sunderland Swansea vortex, but like hovering around that spot. And they just could be the season they drop into it. Um, whether that means they get relegated or not, I don't know. But we shall see. But the start really discourages that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I think um, I I think Bournemouth squad is like exactly like the 12th best in the league and then just depending on if king or wilson are scoring goals they kind of just shift either a little bit above or a little bit below that um so i really don't mind their squad what 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 baffles me about watford and one of the reasons i put them down so low is they haven't significantly improved their squad since that first year they got promoted especially in the back like that back line is still in theory not very good at all, and they just keep getting away with it. I think Gray and Dini is one of the worst strike forces in the Premier League, and we, like we were talking about the upsides of players like Pereira and Hughes, um, both of whom I think were good signings, but hadn't really worked out thus far. Um, and so, just coming in, if those things went poorly and the other things stayed the same, I just didn't see how they were going to contend. But they're getting good performances out of those kind of mercurial players. I think Ben Foster was a huge upgrade in goal. Um, I, I still don't know how this can be enough, but it may just be one of those weird statistical outliers and they're just going to be okay just because they're okay and there's not too much behind it. I mean, their manager doesn't really have much of a track record. There's all these things that I thought would really catch up with them haven't thus far. And we'll see, obviously, throughout the year if they do catch up. Uh, but I think it's one of the reasons why I expected Bournemouth to be better is I'm sure you guys saw Eddie Howe is now the longest um, tenured manager at one club in the Premier League. Um, and I think he does a good job. I think Lewis Cook is really talented. That Wilson-King duo tends to have goals in it, although Wilson missed a lot of, well, two or three open chances at the weekend, but ended up with two assists via an earned penalty and a shot that went off <laughs> the post. Um, you know, a real creative player there. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think I think Watford are, are a worse team than Bournemouth, but I th- you obviously can't really argue. You really can't argue that in the table, and we'll see uh, where, where they all end up. But I've been very surprised by Watford. And as much as I should probably just own up to the fact that I had them in the relegation fight and may be wrong, I'm just going to kind of double down and say they'll still end up down there somewhere because I don't know why they're good. I genuinely don't. I mean, it's three games. Variance is weird, but like, they could be terrible the rest of the season. But like they have actually out. looked good as well. Yeah, they have. When it's, it's just a very curious case of Watford is what this is for me at the moment. Um <laughs> Next up, let's talk about another side that could be facing relegation issues. Uh, Newcastle came out against Chelsea today and showed very little interest in actually playing football. I didn't see the end possession stats, but I know at halftime it was basically 80 to 20%. 80, 82%, I think it ended. Is where a final is. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the fifth highest in APL history. Oh, that 82%? That's unsurprising. Yeah. I assume one of those was probably... Um, under Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool team, because it was during that like two-year period where it was like, if you have possession, you automatically win. Um, you win every <laughs> Right. Um, so my question about Benitez's tactics today is really on what you think of that being deployed in the Premier League. When you see a team set up so contrarily to how most fans would expect to see them lined up, to how most managers would ever set up to begin with, 
do you do you like it and that it's kind of proof that anyone can play any brand of football um that they see fit or are you a little more antagonized by the fact that a team could set up with such little intent to really play yeah i mean i i I personally think it's it's completely fine i think that any team is entitled to play in the way that they want I, i feel like you know sport it's it's I mean, it's all about the tactics. It's all about get, gaining small advantages over the other team. I mean, obviously, when it's against your team, you feel personally attacked. I know watching that game today, I was um, I was not saying some nice things to people like DeAndre Yedlin and uh, Rafa Benitez. Um, but but as a Chelsea fan, I can't lie. I've um, I've sat through some interesting tactical performances <laughs> over the last three years. Um, uh, one comes to mind against Liverpool, um, which we won't mention any Gerard slips. But um, <laughs> whoops, yeah, uh, <laughs> good job slipping yeah. in there. <laughs> I just had to slip it in. Yeah, um, yeah, but you, you know, I, I, I think I think that's completely completely warranted um, under certain circumstances. Obviously, you'd for just the sake of entertainment, you you would like to see every team come out and play to the best of their ability. But you know. Um, I think that the sport is is built on, you know, results. And um, if you look further down the leagues, you know, some teams have to play games like this to literally stay afloat. So um, I can't see why it should ethically be any different just because it's in the Premier League. Um, yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah, no, I don't love watching it, obviously. I'd rather everyone go insane like Arsenal. But um, no, ultimately, as a manager, your job is to try and get the best result for your team and if that's what you believe is the best way to get the best result for your team then you do it no questions asked especially bottom half team um your job is to get the best results not necessarily to entertain um so yeah it's completely fine by me it sucks to watch but whatever if that's what you gotta do that's what you gotta do yeah it's as as steven mentioned it is one of the most frustrating things you can see your team having to face um but yeah i think i'm with the mind that it is an option. You, you as the manager, especially recently, are getting less and less control of things. And if you can't control your own tactics, I, I think that might be a stretch too far. I also wonder if some of that may have been a statement, especially in a home match, um, about the fact that he was not really backed in the market. Um, I thought Shar was a good signing, but he does give away the penalty, and we can <laughs> avoid the whole penalty discussion on, on Alonso, but we will stand by what we've always said on the show. Don't give the referee a chance to make a decision. Um, but I do wonder if there was kind of like an ulterior reason for how uh, defensive they set up and really didn't aim to entertain the home crowd there. Um, but that's, that's really speculative. But I, I agree. I do think he has every right to set up that way, frustrating as it may be for the neutral or for the opposing fan. All right, and we'll wrap up with something that is far more serious than that. And we do bring this up with the knowledge that none of us actually live in England. Um, But Hugo Lloris um, was uh, pulled over and cited for uh, drink driving during the week. There's been loads of reports since about whether or not he should be dropped against Manchester United, about whether he should have his captaincy stripped for club and country because of his position as a role model or a leader of the club. Um, and, and community, and I'm just curious to hear what do you guys think uh, should happen here on the specific line between an off-pitch issue that is very clearly an issue, and we certainly don't condone that in any way, and what its sporting ramifications should be. 
Yeah, I mean, th- this is obviously a tricky one because you're talking about you're talking about laws. You're talking about um, you, a lot of different kind of professional things, especially you know when you come to consider things like contracts in in football. You know, they're they're so specific these days. I'm I'm almost certain that players with reputations um, have contracts that are that have these kind of specific clauses written into them to protect them from themselves um but you know when it comes from obviously someone like Hugo Lloris is not exactly the kind of the kind of guy that you envision to to have these kind of issues so um it comes as quite as a shock I think I think you know if this was someone like Hatem Ben Arfa for example just uh, not picking yeah. on him but you know just <laughs> someone with a reputation you know someone with a reputation you, you may you may be like well yep there's another one maybe and then try and, you know, buckle down on him and try and make an example of him. But someone like Hugo Lloris, who, from my memory, has a pretty pretty clean record on these sort of things, yeah. um, you, you wouldn't like to see him, you know, pay, you know, lose the captaincy of his club and country. You'd hope not. Um, or I would hope not anyway. Some people might slightly differ opinions. Um, but obviously, you know, th- there's something as seriously as, as drink driving, I think, has to has to pay attention to and I think that Hugo should should come out and make some statements about it because obviously going into the whole role model thing um I mean I'm sure a lot of people are aware that um Marcus Alonso um is pretty infamous for for having being involved with the drink driving incident that um actually took a a young girl's life um so I think that you know no, nobody's really immune from being pulled into these kind of um horrible situations and um I think we're all human we all make mistakes, but uh, you know, um, I think that we should we should stand up and I guess take responsibility and hope Hugo learns from it. And yeah, don't think anything over the top is really required here, but it's it's worth a debate, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm of the opinion like whatever the club wants to do is valid, um, whether that's strip captaincy, whether that's drop for a game or two. Um, yeah, like um, whether we want them to be or not, sports players, like uh, ultimately, sports players should not be role models, but they are. So that, you know, people look up to these people, they shouldn't, but they do. Um, and drink driving's very serious. Um, so, yeah, basically, I don't know if he should, be, I don't know if he's going to drop, but I would be like, if they strip his captaincy, that's fine and valid. I would have no issue with that. Yeah, because as you say, the the club do kind of need to make an example. Whether or not the courts make an example, obviously remains to be seen. Because as Stephen said, this is still a legal issue as well. Um, on the sporting side, um, this caused probably more divide in the Tottenham fan base than I saw this whole summer. And this was not an easy summer for the Tottenham fan base. Um, and it, really, why was that? Um, uh, no, no reason. Um, but. It was interesting to see how many levels people disagreed with this on, both its seriousness as an act, or whether it's not, whether or not that seriousness should have an impact, like we're talking about, um, and again, what 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 the ramifications should be internally. Um, and I'll say on a personal note um, that this is basically the quickest way for me to lose respect for somebody. Um, not unique, but pretty much as soon as you lose it, somebody due to this, uh, you you have a basically a zero tolerance policy for uh, people that do uh, drink and drive. But on the sports side, I would not be surprised if we see changes to 
to to his roles. Um, I think we may need to kind of take a wait and see approach. It's inarguably illegal. Um, I think if it was the difference between accidentally having an extra glass of wine at dinner versus doing, I don't know, Jaeger shots or something, that somehow that's different. And I don't know whether that's right or not. That's just how it kind of strikes me, especially when it comes to regard of captaincy for club and country. Uh, I do agree with Dan. Sport sport figures probably shouldn't be role models, uh, which is something that he and I very much are on the same page on because we live in the States, where if this was all a player did, you'd be like, oh, wow, compared to some of the other people on whatever team, that's really not that bad. Um, but unfortunately, they are. They're in that spotlight. They're viewed as heroes by many, and, and so do need to be held to a higher standard. And I am thinking that we may see the ramifications on the legal side more than in the club side. Um, whether or not he should play against Manchester United, I think really depends on if the player's up for it. It's just like during transfer windows and some players, you know, the managers will just say, we didn't play him because his head wasn't in the right place. Um, that's absolutely fair. Uh, I agree with Dan on that point that, you know, at the end of the day, Hugo Lloris is an employee and a company can react any way they want towards their employee. Um, in a situation like this, I know in the States, people can lose their job, uh, for DUIs way pre, you know, conviction or anything like that. Um, so time will tell, I think maybe on the stripping captaincy stuff, maybe have a bit more of a wait and see approach. But, uh, as, as Steven said at the top, there's going to be a lot of different opinions on this. Uh, and that's just kind of where I stand for now. All right. Now we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with questions for each of our guests. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. I will come to you now first, Stephen, to talk a little bit about Chelsea. Um, coming into the season... There were people that genuinely thought Marcus Alonso wouldn't even fit into the starting 11 under Maurizio Sarri, that the tactics eliminating the wingback position would see a significant decrease in his role uh, in the team. What we've seen is literally the opposite of that, um, especially with the uh, fantasy assists he's picking up that, depending on what site you're on, count them as assists or not. Do you think that, that Alonso will continue to have this impact for the side, and why do you think so many people uh, were wary coming in? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I, I think I think this is probably one of the most interesting points on Chelsea this season. Um, coming into the season, like you alluded to, um, Alonso really kind of was expected to be edged out by Emerson Palmieri, um, and you know he still may 
by the end of the season. It seems a little bit less likely now, but that was the opinion of most Chelsea fans going into the season, um, mostly because of um, Emerson Palmieri's um, exploits going forward for, for Roma. He's known as a bit more of a traditional attacking fullback, whereas Alonso um, has played the majority of his career as a centre-back and as a um, left wing-back. So, yeah, as a traditional fullback, we kind of weren't exactly sure what to expect with Marcus Alonso, but um, he obviously didn't go to the World Cup, so he was able to ha- have a full preseason. He came to Perth, where I live, and um, signed my stuff, so that was good of him. So now I'm a fan of him this season. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I suppose, I suppose Alonso is really interesting to me because when I watch him on the ball, I, sometimes I'm really nervous watching him. He seems to take really heavy touches. Um, he, he's not one of these guys that you always feel confident um, when he's kind of taken two or three touches. You kind of want him to, to move it quickly. Um, but then he just has an incredible left foot. Like the, the way this guy hits volleys or is just able to strike the ball, he's, he's just one of the purest strikers of a ball you, you actually see with that left foot. Um, but... What's interesting is that Sari's really managed to, in such a short space of time already, really managed to, to utilize him as an attacking fullback. He's even just watching, I mean, obviously Newcastle was sitting really deep today, but um, he was pushing Yedlin back the, basically the entire game. And um, he was getting forward and, and really helping, helping the attack and helping people like Hazard to move in between the, the half spaces. And um, yeah, I, th- I think he's really going to be a really good attacking outlet this season, which is like I said, quite surprising to a lot of Chelsea fans. Um, he's obviously an extremely talented player, but um, yeah, I, I suppose I suppose it's a it's a happy surprise because you know he's <laughs> popping up, scoring goals. I, I think I also read a stat that he, um, until Danny Welbeck scored, he had scored more go- Premier League goals than Danny Welbeck until this weekend. So um, you know <laughs> that was quite funny. Also, <laughs> Sorry about that, Dan. also weird. Pro Danny Welbeck stat that goal levels him with Gareth Bale for Premier League goals. So just accidental Danny Welbeck trivia hour here on the Danny on Welbeck, the, a very elusive figure. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was Alvaro Morata. He came uh, out of last week's match with the goal, saying that he fits into Sarri's system much better than he fit uh, into Conte's, where he doesn't always have to be receiving uh, the ball with his back to net. Um, and some people bought it, some people didn't. Doesn't have the best match today. Worth noting that Newcastle intended to defend from minute one. Um, do you kind of buy or not the idea that uh, Morato could turn things around in the system? Yeah, um, I I tend to have a lot, probably too much faith in Morato. I, I I really like him as a player. I think that you know he's yeah he, he had a tough first season. He started really well, obviously, and then. Picked up a really nasty back injury, which he kind of tried to play through, and he really, really shouldn't have, um, mostly because we didn't really have any striking backup that Conte trusted. Um, and yeah, obviously he had a horrible end to the season. Um, a lot of fans got on his back, um, you know, for some reasons were warranted. Some, I think, were a bit unwarranted. Um, I, I do think he can flourish under this under this system, um, though I, I, do, I do have some 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 kind of strange theories about about him playing with his back to goal. He still does that quite a bit. He does 
he, he tends to, I think maybe he just needs to get out of this Conte funk that he was in last season, where he's playing with his back to back to goal the entire time. Because even today, he was he was he was trying to ho- hold the ball up, and he, he was kind of his touches were heavy. And um, yeah, I think that I think that in um, in Sarri's system, he tends to like more a bit more of a of a poacher um, with people, you know, like Higuain and um, Dries Mertens was used a bit more as a as of a poaching forward. I think that I think that Morata maybe isn't perfectly suited to that, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he fits in going forward. I think that actually someone like Bashaway may have may have been better for a Sarri system, but I guess we'll we'll never know now with him going alone. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, one one key aspect I think that we're really going to miss from Morata this season is I I still think he's one of the best headers in the league. Um, it seems the Sarri system that we we put less balls into the box from crosses. And I think that Morata could could suffer from that because I can't remember if it was one or zero of Morata's goals. <laughs> no, it was definitely at least one. <laughs> Has been scored with his feet in the Premier League. So it's 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 really quite alarmingly low. Oh, there so was that stretch I, I guess, where like five out of yeah. the seven goals you scored in a row were Azpilicueta crosses <laughs> to Morata's head. Yeah. And Wasn't the, that a thing last year? Yeah. That yeah, was, it was totally a thing. a thing. That was definitely That's a thing. That's the closest it, I've ever seen to like an NBA style out of timeout play in football <laughs> ever. Like it literally just get as quick went in space, cross, header, goal. Easy. Yeah. I, I mean even that that was um that was even on show last week uh, against Arsenal. That was another one where um we went from Aspilaquetta to Morata, so it's still very much alive. Don't don't fear. <laughs> uh just maybe a little bit differently this season. Yeah. I've I've got faith, but uh, he he hasn't he hasn't started great this season I would say so far but still time yeah um, speaking of uh, kind of coming to conclusions far too early uh, Dan last week the main topic was uh, Arsenal under Unai Emery and we all granted that you got very tough two fixtures to his era um, so we largely said it was too early to panic but there were still signs of concern especially in the back line um, even after Emery uh, has taken charge including. Uh, like we said, the fact that it was two very difficult opponents. Um, so uh, here's your chance to kind of defend yourself or or talk about how you felt uh, about Arsenal since Emery took charge of the club. Um, I mean, I, I my opinion has been the only way we're doing anything this season in the league is if our attack goes supernova because our defense just isn't good enough. Like our two best center backs... Assuming Koscielny is dead, because when you're in your early 30s, an athletic center back and then tear your Achilles, your career is probably over, mm. at least at the top level. So assuming he's gone, our best two center backs are Mustafi and Socrates. That's not good enough yeah. um, defensively. Uh, Monreal, is, while he may be the best goal scorer in the history of football, he's probably washed as a fullback. Um, and yeah, I, like, I think the only way we can do anything is if we just go nuts and just play insane attacking games and try and win 6-5 every every week are you on the um, Lacazette Aubameyang two up front tip I would love for that to happen but we're never going to play a diamond and that's mm. the only way it really fits um so that sucks uh we yeah so I don't think Unai Emery is the right appointment because if you want to do that you're not appointing Unai Emery um but I don't know it's kind of I don't know it's a thing he's I really didn't like how in the second half against Chelsea he just kind of I'm assuming this was based on instructions because of a massive change in style. 
but I didn't like how we seemed to just go super defensive and try and hang on for a 2-2, despite the fact that, especially at the end of the first half, we were definitely the ones on the front foot and attacking better than Chelsea. Um, I know our defense was terrible, but we were also cutting through them and at a higher rate. So I didn't like that decision. I think he has, he's a bit too defensive. Um, I, well, I think he's a bit too defensive, but not. But we don't have the quality to like work in defense system. Like If you watch the game against West Ham, we were getting cut apart hilariously. We were still terrible defensively. Um, a bit better after Torreira came on, but that also coincided with Arnautovic going off, so I don't know if that was, you know, which was the catalyst to that happening. Mm. Um, but, like, we're just not a good defensive team, and Emery, I think, is a bit too defensive a manager for that, and I, I, I guess he could train us to be better, but I don't really see that happening. Like, we're really bad defensively. We have a legit, we have a bad goalkeeper, two terrible centre-backs, um, or at least not good. Um Bellerin has been fantastic attacking um, from right back so far this season, but he's had to spend most of his time attacking. Um, Klasnich is hurt. Maitland-Niles is not really a left back, but and he's hurt too. Uh, like I said, Monreal, while being the best goal scorer in the world, is probably washed. Um, yeah, so I think he has two defensive style for the personnel we have right now. So that's not great. Yeah, and obviously we'll see how it develops, but it, interesting that you kind of echo the same concerns that we were uh, thinking could be problematic throughout the season. Um, you mentioned Torreira there. It seems like the internet uh, fandom of Arsenal all just wanted to be Torreira next to Guendouzi, um pretty much immediately, although I don't think many expected Guendouzi to actually break into the 11, let alone week one. Um, would you like to see that pairing in the midfield, and would you be concerned at all about the inexperience that they would have? Um, I would be concerned about uh, the inexperience as much as I've become more conflicted about Granite Shock than I thought it would because, um, oh, was it Mike Goodman, point of um, stats bomb and stuff of other places as well, but pointed out that Granite Shock was like a top five ball progressor in the Premier League last season. And if you watch us without him, we are much worse at moving the ball, which is something I never really thought of. Um, or like, I never really thought of it being a him thing. I thought it was more of a systemic thing, but it could be a him thing. And all is it Gwen? It's one game, but Gwendozy was not great against West Ham. Um, so I'd, I definitely want to be Torreira, and then it's either Xhaka or, or Gwendozy. Um, I'm not really sure which I want yet. I, I want Gwendozy to work out because Xhaka has some really, really bad flaws, and he is legitimately terrible defending, um, which is not great. But he does have bring a lot to the table um, going forward. And if Gwendozy can match that, then I absolutely want him over Xhaka. I'm just, you know, we have to see if he can. All right, and just like the Unai Emery stuff, time will tell here. Um, but I, I agree that I think that's probably the more talented duo. But uh, Xhaka, it, it, it's interesting how over time people's um, assumption of how good they could be tends to diminish. Um, if he got his game right, I mean, you know, this is a player that came into the Premier League with much hype. It was a player that I, as a Tottenham fan, was worried that you were getting. Um, unfortunately, he's turned into a worry more for the Arsenal fans than for yeah. uh, the rivals. Well, I think I think Xhaka has some like fatal flaws that he can't fix. Yeah. Um, he's just extremely one-footed. He's very slow. And, and that, to be fair, I don't think we would have noticed a lot of them until he was in a league like the Premier League. Yeah. Also, I think the system of Gladbach suited him very well. Three defenders behind him as well as the um, two midfielders surrounding him. He was very much... Mm-hmm. Not to call him Pirlo, but you know that kind of role where he's just he just passes and everyone else does the stuff around him, and so he looked good there. Um, here, on our like 
he was not provided enough protection, which, I mean, I'm not sure if he's good enough to warrant all that. But, um, yeah, I think the issue of Jacques is he had, like I said, he has some fatal flaws, but he can't fix. He's extremely one-footed, he's very slow, and he's not press resistant. Like, he's really, really easy to press, which Gwindos, he doesn't have any of those, which is why, like I said, if he can provide the ball progression Jacques can, I absolutely want him starting over because there's less obvious, like, flaws in his game. But, again, if he... He's only 19. We've only seen a few games of him. If he can't provide the ball progression that Xhaka does, then Xhaka does bring something to the table he doesn't, and we'll see if he's actually better. Yeah. Really quickly, Dan, I just, I just wanted to get your, your take really quickly on the Ozil situation. Do you, do you put much much stock in these rumors about the uh, feud? or? Nope. And nope. from the only place I've seen it source is ESPN Brazil. Um, if it comes out of a more reliable source, we'll talk. But he's had this yeah. thing for a while. Like he genuinely seems to. Uh, whether all of us is, I don't know. But like, this isn't a new thing, and yeah, it hasn't come out of a good source. So until it does, I'm going to assume it's not real. Arsenal fan TV, not a reliable source. No, shockingly <laughs> enough, <laughs> no, no, I don't think they're reliable. You yeah. see, they, their rebrand is because they got a cease and desist letter, apparently. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. Someone <laughs> looked it up or found, I think they found a letter online because, um, you know, it had to be filed. Um, and, yeah, that's why they are now AF, whatever it is, AFTV or AFTV, media or something. Yeah, yeah whatever huh. it is. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, they were using the brand to generate for themselves, much like how we're the EPL roundtable of EPL index is to avoid uh, things <laughs> like that. And I will say, sorry, this is just a real deep cut slash shout out. I miss the West Ham fan that during our first season tweeted back to every show posting that there's no E in Premier League, which <laughs> is both inaccurate. There are many E's in the words Premier League. Um, but it was it, like, honestly, when we lost, it was like, oh, part of the tradition's gone. So anyway, if you're out there still, uh, we, we, we miss you, you in our own weird way. <laughs> so it's appreciated yeah um now we're going to push on into player watch um now as uh some may know hopefully all but if not you're about to uh the european window is still open uh until the 31st obviously the premier league one closed quite some time ago uh are there any players at your clubs that you're worried uh may still find the exit before that that window closes yeah at, Ch- at chelsea right now there's um obviously the the infamous loan army is is always always looking to to offload guys. Um, for, I mean, pro- probably the, there's there's three guys that that looked up until this week to to be potentially on move with loans. And that was um, Michael Hector, um, Lucas Piazon, who both apparently are being linked to Leeds right now. Um, so we may I'm not sure if they're able to take them on loan. That seems likely. Um, but Ruben Loftus Cheek was also rumored to um, to being looked at by like people like Sevilla and um, Leon and some teams in the Bundesliga. But um, Sari came out this week and pretty much hush hushed all that. Said that no, nah, he's going to be with the squad till January. He wants to assess all his options and he's sure that he'll get a lot of time playing time this season, whether that be um, in the Europa League or in the Premier League or any other competitions. So no, at Chelsea right now, it seems like we're pretty much on lockdown from selling anyone. Um, if anyone sees Real Madrid coming within 10 feet of us, um, I want them away. Uh, there, there is no Eden Hazard at Chelsea. I don't know what, we're talk- what they're asking about. It's not for sale, ever. 
I don't think I'm worried about any Arsenal players leaving. Um, at least not worried. Like, people could leave. i just not worried. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, at this point, Aaron Ramsey's probably the best player could leave. And if we can't get a contract sorted for him, I'd rather get something for him and send him away from the Premier League than him leave on a free to who, who knows where. Um, I don't think that'll happen. I think he's winding his contract down to um, leverage us like Theo Walcott and Mr. Dizzle have. Um, but yeah, that's he's the best player who could leave. Um, there are some players I want to leave, like Danny Welbeck would be great. I doubt he'll leave because he probably won't leave country. And while I don't think he's the best player, he's way too good for the championship. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, for Tottenham, we could still see some. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers just left on loan uh, for Swansea. Who, uh, what's that? Need it. Um, then uh, Samuel Shashua, who I'm sure none of you have ever heard of, went to the third division in Spain. Um, but really, this this is probably what we'll see. It's just kind of a trickle of loanies heading out. Um, the interest in Lorente has allegedly picked up in Spain again, just because he's a tall person that at one point was good and scored goals. Um, I think we'd struggle to sell him at the moment um, with uh, us not being able to offload Jansen because he, he suffered a leg injury. And so he won't recover till December. So the ability to either loan or sell him looks less likely. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really think any of the big ones will go. The interest in Sissoko in Italy seems to have dropped. Funnily enough, the, the club that at one point were most interested in him were Inter. And then they decided to sign uh, Nainggolan instead of Sissoko, which, uh, yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Why would you not do that? Um, so his market seems to have dried up as well. The only high-profile thing at all that's been mentioned is uh, potentially either Barcelona or uh, Madrid making a late bid for Christian Eriksen, which is kind of linked up concerningly with Eriksen not signing his extension, which previously looked like it was basically all but signed. Um, I don't think there's really anything to this, but probably worth noting just because of the, the scope of that if it did actually happen. Um, but it looks like Toby and Danny Rose are both staying, um, which a lot of people were worried about. I had mentioned in June um, that it, that with United, the only actual suitor for Toby, we may be forced with this uh, unhappy marriage where he's stuck with us, we're going to use him while he's here, and then kind of like what Dan was saying uh, earlier, he could leave next year for $25 million. Um, but it, that's, that's what's happened. And I think we're a better club for this season, keeping both Toby and Rose than we are without them, even if it means it costs us uh, money in the long run, which doesn't really matter because we don't sign anyone anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it really looks like it'll be a slow um, trickle of maybe low knees, um, but, but no real uh, bites on any of our higher-profile players. All right, and now we will head into match previews, where we'll quickly discuss uh, our upcoming fixtures in the Premier League. We'll lead in with you, Stephen. I just realized that these chronologically matched the order we were already going in, and that's weirdly pleasing. Uh, so we'll start with you talking about your upcoming match against Bournemouth. Yep, so obviously Bournemouth in um, some pretty decent form to start the season, so um, obviously can't can't overlook them at all. Um, they're, they're a team that likes to play a bit more bit more attackingly than, than Newcastle. <laughs> so maybe um, we'll be able to play our expansive football and maybe create some more chances than, than today's game. Um, I do Obviously, going into it at home, going to be expecting a win. Um, now with people like Eden Hazard with a full 90 underneath him and um, Kovacic getting the start today, hopefully you get to see a full 90 from him next week. Um, yeah, really looking to forward to seeing this team kind of build over the next um, 
next couple of games and next couple, I think we got three more games until we play Liverpool um, at home, which is kind of uh, um, our next big test in the Premier League um, out, of the, out of the top six teams, obviously. So, yeah, be kind of um, obviously take every game as it comes. Um, but, yeah, I'm be expecting three points out of that game, I think it's fair to say. Um, and my wish for that game would be for Eden Hazard to score another goal and and hopefully hopefully get Morata keep scoring get that get that confidence high. Um, yeah, we play Cardiff this week. Um, the West Ham game was the beginning of an eight-game stretch. We don't play anyone in the top six, which is fair considering we started with two of the top six. But um, yeah, we really looking at it, we probably need around at least 20, 21 points from that eight-game stretch. Um, we got three against West Ham. Made it harder than it probably should have been, but we did. Um, and Cardiff are arguably the worst team in the Premier League right now. Um, ben and Huddersfield are like the two that everyone seems to kind of be okay with accepting that they're probably going to go down, or they're the two favorites to go down. Um, ultimately, our bet, like, we need to win this game. Um, it's extremely simple. Um, we're better than them. We should beat them, though we are terrible away from home. Um, that was a massive problem last year. Um, and Unai Emery isn't good away, isn't good away from home either. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that actually goes. Yeah, and for Tottenham, um, we're going to have to face uh, that very hot Watford team away at Vicarage Road. Um, it is worth noting that Tottenham have largely put Watford to the sword every time we face them in the Premier League. Um, a couple of late winners tossed in there for, for just a little a little variety. Um, but we have typically had the, the better of them in the past, and so it'll be really interesting to see if they can continue this hot streak that they've had Um Against us, obviously a lot of turmoil going on at Tottenham right now, and we've recorded this before the Manchester United match, so really hard to draw kind of a, a trend line for Tottenham, although the first two wins, um, obviously great because we got the points. The Newcastle match, not so convincing. The Fulham one, very convincing. Uh, so we'll just kind of see how that develops going forward. Um, but uh, all in all, I think we match up with them well. Um, where their wingbacks both want to be attacking constantly and Jan Mott and Holobos, which should open up a lot of space behind them. I mean, the the idea of what Lucas could do to Holobos, I think, is is a filthy, filthy thought. Um, and we'll see how Kane looks against United. After the Newcastle match, I was saying I was still worried he was still dealing with the injury through the whole World Cup process, that he, he just made it back for that Chelsea match um, in March. Um, but then he looked... Fully back, <laughs> fully against Fulham. Um, uh, so we'll see if, if he's really back. Like like I'm saying, it's kind of hard to preview a match two matches away. Um, but all in all, I, I think we'll match up with them well and come away with a win on the day and kind of put an end to this early uh, hot streak here from Watford. All right, a little bit uh, shorter from us today, but that will do it for us. So if you'd like to tell folks where they could find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, like I said at the start, guys, my name's Stephen Clark. You can find me on Twitter at Stephen Clark CFC. We're chatting all things Chelsea. Um, writing for um, London is Blue, the great Chelsea uh, podcast, guys. They just recently did a, a uh, interview with Cesar Azpilicueta. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, and I'm Dan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits, where you will see mostly dogs because all Arsenal do is concede nowadays. Um, but hey, that's not a bad thing, is it? Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. <laughs> Those dogs' pictures are mad cute, and I'll always defend you on that. 
Um, I'm Kevin DeVries, the host, obviously. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You should also check out our shows, the FPL Roundtable and Championship Roundtables, both with excellent content there. Uh, I also write about fantasy for goal, so you can go head over there to Goal Gaming. Uh, and I also do live text commentaries through Omnisport. And I think that's it. Pretty light load for me thus far this season. Um, but anyway, thanks to you guys so much uh, for coming on. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure. And those at home, we hope you keep listening. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.